Let me see you put them up. Reach the sky, touch the stars up above, cause it's one time for the underdog. One time for the underdog. Look, if you're a fan of basketball, if you're a fan of the NBA, if you're a fan of the Lakers, obviously the greatest organization in the history of sports under Jerry Buss. He had a player he drafted that ended up becoming five-time champion Magic Johnson and who now, who now is the GM of the Lakers, brought on LeBron James. I had a chance to sit down with him in front of a couple thousand people and ask him a bunch of different questions about his upbringing to who he thinks is better, LeBron or Jordan. It's going to be a very interesting Way when he breaks down who his starting five would be and as well as his career as an entrepreneur. So with that being said, here's Magic Johnson. I don't think you realize this, man. I mean, I literally grew up glued to you. I was glued <laughs> to Magic Johnson. I came to America. You know, in Iran, we don't have any basketball. In, in, uh -huh. in Iran, we don't play a lot of sports. But right. uh, I came, I fell in love with the purple and gold, and I saw how excited you were and what you did to the entire game. But before going into the NBA and talking some of that stuff and leadership and Jerry Buss and all that, why don't we let just kind of go back and talk about your show. Like, who was Magic Johnson growing up? Your family, brothers, siblings? Are you from a big family? Who were you in high school? Maybe tell us a little about your story. Well, Patrick, I'm definitely from a big family. Six sisters and three brothers. And um, my family, uh, my dad and my mother, my, my dad worked three jobs to make sure that he could take care of his family. My mother worked at the school cafeteria. And, uh, you know, we were just, uh, we grew up poor, but there was a lot of love in, in the house, and also they stressed education. And so if I didn't get my grades, if I didn't do what I was supposed to do in school, then I couldn't play basketball. Uh, I grew up in a sports family because my mom and dad both played sports, and then it got passed on to Really? Us. They both played sports? Yeah. Uh, my dad played basketball, and uh, he grew up in Mississippi. My mother played, like, softball and all the sports, and uh, she grew up in North Carolina. And so all my sisters played basketball, and they played softball like my mother. And then my brothers, we all played basketball. Uh, they're short, and I'm tall. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I'm just like my parents. Um, I'm, I'm a hard worker like my father. So he, I'm glad he gave me that skill and that talent. And uh, um, I'm just like my mother. I don't want to save the world and my personality I get from my mother. So, How cool is that? Yeah, very Her cool. And all my uh, sisters are teachers in the school system back in Michigan. And uh, so thank you. That's great. And then my brothers, they all followed my father working for General Motors for 30 years. Till today? Till today. Now, wh where are you in the family? Where are you? I'm number seven. You're so number I'm seven. The, yeah, I'm the youngest boy, and then I'm number seven overall. So my brothers had to drag me everywhere. You hate to be the youngest boy, because you had to go places that you didn't want to go, and then you had to sit outside while they went and did their thing. And then if I complained, they would smack me upside my head. And, uh, but it was a beautiful, beautiful family. We're real close. And so now my mother got a lot of great-grands and grandchildren now, and it's beautiful. What's the total now? Ooh, about over 50. Yeah. That's so Yeah, cool, yeah, because all of us got kids, and now our kids are having kids, so it's, it's beautiful. You guys are family reunions. Does everybody get together every year? Or oh, yeah. Every Thanksgiving, she wants everybody 
in the house, so that means everybody's sleeping on top of each other. <laughs> and uh, nobody can stay outside the house. You've got to stay together. So it's a beautiful thing. And, and I love going home back to Michigan and taking my wife, Cookie, and our, our children. Now we've got two grandchildren and taking them back as well. That's amazing. Now, let me ask you, was it a very competitive family? Was it like absolutely? Because that's a lot oh, of kids. No you question about it. Competing? Was it I'm faster, I always, throw better, I jump always, higher? Always, always. Was it know, instigated or was it just natural? It was natural because, you know, with all of us playing sports, we challenged each other to everything. We didn't have to really... Uh, play with anybody else. We had enough people to play with within in the family. That's so, right. you know, if somebody was uh, running and we wanted to see who the fastest, if we were on the basketball court, how many shots could you make? Go one-on-one -on -one against each other. And then we would play as a family, too. We would play five-on-five uh, -five against other people, you know. And so, uh, and then we would go to the park. I love our Saturdays and Sundays. After church on Sunday, we would always go to the park and play with other people. Uh, other families would go and we would play with other kids and had a wonderful time. But the, the main thing that they gave us too was you can do anything in life you want. Would they tell you that? Yes, they would tell us that. Was it both sure. mom and dad constantly saying that? Yes. Wow. But you just got to educate yourself and then you got to outwork people. You got to be really hardworking people and that's what we all are. We grew up saying, okay, we can, my sisters always wanted to be teachers so they went that in the education path. I've always wanted to play basketball, but also after basketball, I wanted to become a businessman. So, so that, that's something you always wanted to do. It wasn't right. something that you hung around with Jerry Buss and he said, I want to be a businessman. No, no, Got I've it. always wanted to do it. Any reason for it? Like, did you see somebody? Were yeah. you looking up to somebody? Yeah, well, you know, it was a guy like you, Patrick, where I think all these people here, and especially these young people, can look at you and say, hey, you have achieved and how did he do it? What did he do? And so it was uh, two African-American businessmen in Lansing, Michigan, this small town, and they own car dealerships and different businesses, and I said, I want to be like them, right? And so from there, I had these two role models right in front of me, and I took it, and I, I asked them to teach me and become my mentors. How old were you when you did that? Oh, that was 16 years old. At that age? Yes. And now, they gave me my first job. The dealership guys? Yes. Did. Were you already a local celebrity or not yet? No. You, you, because of basketball. Like, did you, they knew you they were knew, like, you know, yes, they, they knew who I was. Okay. And I was just getting better and better. And, uh, but they gave me my job. And then once I got to college, they said, okay. We're going to really help you, prepare you for even when you make some money in the NBA, but also how to keep some money wow. you know, once you're in the NBA. Because a lot of athletes, they go in sure. rich but come out broke, and that's very unfortunate. But that happens quite regularly. Yeah. So you had have, you have some guys you reached out to. So, Magic, when did people know, or when did you know more importantly, like, you know what, I can... I can really play. Like, I can play with these guys that are the competitors. Like, when did that happen to you where you said, I can play at the next level? I think that when you get to college and you said, okay, I'm playing against these pros and I'm holding my own. And I said, oh, okay. You know, but the main thing for me was first winning. I won at every level. I won the third grade championship, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. You were winning. Yeah, I was winning. My high school had never won a championship 
Once I got there, we won the state championship. Mm -hmm. Michigan State had never won a championship, national championship. I led them to a national championship. So it, it was about winning for me, and it still is about winning. And so then I get to the NBA. Because I played against pros in high school and in college, I felt comfortable like I belonged in the NBA. Who was the one guy you faced where you said, you know what, if I can hang with this guy, was there somebody you faced where you said yeah, I can hang? George Iceman Gervin. George yeah, Gervin, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He taught us so much. He's from Michigan like I am, and he used to let us hang around him, and right now he's still living in San Antonio, and, and uh, he's the one who really gave me my confidence and also showed me how to improve my game. And so we worked out with him and uh, you didn't play against him in college because he was before. Yeah, he was already in the pros. Right. So uh, in the summer when he would come home, he would allow us to play pickup games for him and one-on-one. -on -one, and he used to kill us, but he said, keep coming back. You're going to get better and better playing that's cool. against me. And that's, that's the guy who really helped all of us. You know what I'm always curious about? I mean, in high school or when you were coming up, was there a kid uh, where you said, this cat's better than me, but he didn't have the work ethic? Was it like a kid where you said, this guy can hang with me, he's going straight to the pros, but maybe distractions, lack of work ethic, lack of discipline kind of completely took him off and he never made it to the big leagues. Was there somebody oh, like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because there was three or four guys like that who had just as much talent, but they didn't have the work ethic or um, they got into trouble and ended up in jail. Uh, one guy was talented but ended up dead because he got into trouble. So you... We've seen talented young people who make the wrong decisions or who think that, oh, I don't have to put the time in. And then five or six guys will pass them. And we see that still today. You know, some people rely too much on their talent and they don't put the hard work or they don't have the work ethic to go along with that talent. And so you got to put the time in. You have to be a hard worker and it, it will come back to you. So you're in high school, you're playing ball, you have all these distractions, people know who you are, mm -hmm. girls are chasing you left and right because mm -hmm. you're the guy mm -hmm. on campus. Mm -hmm. How did you, you know, minimize these distractions and stay focused and not go do some of these other things that other guys were doing? How did you, you stay so focused? Patrick, great question. I, I just had a goal and a dream. I'm, I'm, look, growing up poor, but I didn't have poor dreams. You know, I didn't have poor dreams. So, I knew the way I could change everything in my life was two things. Hard work and the education could change everything for me. So, I put the time in. And while they were partying or chasing girls or whatever, I was at the gym working out all the time. My parents, my mother, she used to say, go take that boy some food because he's going to never come home for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so she used to have my brothers and sisters bring me, you know, food. And then the last thing is, you know, you stay home. I mean, you stay after school because we had practice. And a lot of you have gone through this, I'm sure. And you get home to the dinner table and six other, your other brothers and sisters have already eaten you know that it's nothing That's left. Right. Bread, maybe if you're lucky, right? <laughs> <laughs> a piece of cornbread or something like that. So uh, I enjoyed it. But I tell you what, I was 
dedicated to basketball. And once I saw that I had some talent, um, I wanted to just take it as far as I could. And, but I, I was never satisfied. And even today, you know, I heard your speech before I came out. You and I are cut from the same cloth. We're still not satisfied. We, we, we know we can achieve more. Yes, it's going to be 100,000 like you talked about. You keep pushing the envelope. You keep growing. You keep wanting more. And that's who I am. I keep, I'm, I'm always wanting more. I'm never satisfied. I push my people that we can do better. We want more growth. We want to continue to get bigger and better. And we know we can. So that's exciting to hear you talk to all of you. And you should want the same for yourself, too. You know that, hey, if you're at this level, then you know, hey, I, got, I can go to this level. Then I can go to that level. Just keep growing because you can do it. Were you always this charismatic and charming? Like, were you always like, because Magic, I got to tell you this, man. <laughs> I watch your interviews when you go to Charles, Stephen A. Smith. They invite you all you guys, and I try to watch your interviews. Here's why I watch your interviews. Mm -hmm. If you ever tweet, no one debates it. Mm -hmm. When you make comments, people, you're the only guy that people just say, if Magic said it, it's right. Oh, so thank you. How have you gone, like, were you always this charismatic, charming guy that people like? Did you always have somewhat of a personality, or did that develop over time? Well, I think I was always, I had this personality, but I had to develop it over time, no question. My mother gave this to me. Were you ever me. shy? Were you ever oh, shy? yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, in the beginning, I just wanted to play. I didn't want to talk. I just wanted to play. And, but I had to hone my skills in terms of making sure that I could do an interview and that um, I would uh, come across as a smart and intelligent man, right? Uh, but it took time, it took practice. And um, um, I'm just happy that now I have the respect and that I'm not gonna say anything stupid or do anything stupid sure. to hurt myself, my brand, or my family. Because that's very important that I, I'm also trying to pave the way for my two sons and my daughter, right? And so everything I do, I have to say, okay, what's going to be the consequences of what I say? Before I push that button, sin, okay, what's the pros and the cons? Did and you develop this? Is this something that happened through a development process? Yes. Okay. Yes, you ha it. I had to de develop that. And, uh, but also the discipline that I had as a basketball player now I have the same discipline as a father, as a son, as a CEO. I'm, I'm one of the most disciplined men you're going to ever meet. How do you stay humble, though, man? Like, how do you stay humble? When, I mean, Magic, you walk anywhere, mm -hmm. people know who you are. Mm -hmm. You walk in L.A., you're God in L.A. to so many people, so you get compliments from everybody. Oh, my gosh, it's Magic, you're the greatest, all this other stuff. So much can be fed in you for you to become extremely cocky. How do you stay humble? Well, first of all, God has really blessed me. Without him, uh, you know, just as fast as he blessed me with it, he can take it away, right? And so I'm not going to get caught up into being Hollywood. I've always told my wife, we're not going to become Hollywood. We're just going to do Hollywood, right? And it's a difference between the two. And so I understand you know, who I am, I understand what I mean to my community, 
And uh, I've always gone back and tried to help those who are less fortunate than myself. And I've always been about the black and brown community and try to uplift them and give them job opportunities and education opportunities because through the Magic Johnson Foundation, we give out scholarships. And um, so I've just been blessed. And um, um, I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm just a guy who understood where he was going and uh, who I was going with, which has been my wife for 25 years. And, um, and you know, there's plenty more for us to do. And uh, I just want you guys to know, both of us grew up poor. I met her on the campus of Michigan State. I saw some jeans walking by. I didn't see her face. I just saw these jeans walking by. And I started running after these pair of jeans. And... Uh, I heard you tell the story about your yeah, wife. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been partners ever since. And so uh, what a true blessing. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Now, and you're a great example for the rest of us to know. Oh. If a guy like you is staying humble, I mean, who else is, you know, can go out there and get a little yeah. too cocky about it? So, yeah. okay, so now here's Magic Johnson. You, you, you've been winning in high school, in, you know, mm. from fourth grade, fifth grade, junior high school, mm. high school. Michigan State, Bird, the whole duo. Yeah. Now you go into the NBA and you start competing. And you're one. I mean, right off the bat, Jerry Buss bet on you. Right. And you came on board. And I was a right bet in the first game when you play against Kareem and you jumping up on top of it. So tell me what it was when you first, your first game. Like when you first kind of knew you were a pro now, what was that like? Well, my first game was in San Diego. And, um, uh, yeah. And, um, it came down to three seconds left, and we were down one. And uh, we threw the ball into Kareem, and he hits a sky hook from the free throw line to win the game. So I'm 19 years old, I'm running over, <laughs> and I jump in his arms, and you know, I'm choking him. What a great play, what a great shot. I've never seen anything like, like this. And so we get into the locker room, and he says, Young man, come here. We have 81 more games. Don't ever do that again. So now I got to look at him and say, okay, this is a veteran. He's the greatest player right now, the best player in the league. Sure. And I'm looking at him like, how am I going to respond? So I said, well, this is my moment to tell him who I'm, I'm, who I'm really am so that he can uh, understand that I'm, I wear my passion on my sleeve, so I went right over to his locker and said, Kareem, if you hit the shot 81 more times like that, I'm gonna jump in your arms 81 more times. And, and he looked, and he was shocked, right? And um, from then on, we got along great. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and Kareem, is Kareem always pretty serious? He seems yes, like he's, he's always a serious, serious man, he's a... didn't smile, but I'm a guy who, this complete smile. opposite, yeah. Yes, but we got along because slowly but surely, you know, he came and started showing some emotion, and, uh, but I respected his space, and um, he taught me a lot. He taught me how to be a pro. And, um, In I, what ways? Like what were some things well, he told you? See, when you enter the NBA, you don't know how to do things. You came from college, so you really don't know how to be a pro yet. So the veterans have to teach you, you know, how to practice, how to 
now you got all these planes and buses you have to go on and then all these hotels and all the things that coming at you and all these people who are now coming who want things from you. So he taught me how to be a professional, how to look out for all those people who are trying to take my money and also, hey, you practice hard, you watch film, and then make sure you get your rest. And he always said that, make sure you get your rest. And then always remember, give everything you got, and then when the press come, always protect your teammates. And so we see a lot of things that's going on now in the sure. NBA or professional sports this week, sure. where guys are, are conversations they would have in the locker room should stay in the locker room, but then they're you tweeting it out that? and sending it out. And that's really bad. I don't believe in that. So are you insinuating what LeBron James did this week wasn't the right thing? Because that's what Barkley, all these yeah. guys got into it that he yeah, shouldn't have done. And Garnett commented, Wallace commented. Yeah, you can't belittle your teammates. You always got to uplift your teammates. You can do it and privately. You, you can do it privately, but not publicly. It's yeah, really, he's uh, <clears throat> really important. So now Kareem in the locker room, Kareem in the locker room, when you guys ran together, was it you played your role, he played his role? How did you guys handle friction in the locker room? Because I mean, there, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be fights. I didn't get the ball enough. Yeah. Why don't you pass it to me? Yeah. Why don't you do this? How did you guys hash it out in the locker room? Well, everybody played their role. And the final say, of course, he was the captain of our team. And he would always make sure that he had the final say. But the good thing about our team, we didn't have that many problems. And everybody was there to win and play their role. And it's just like everybody here. They got, all got to play their role to, make, to help this company become successful and, and, and maintain being great. And it's the same thing in a team. Everybody has to play their role, go out, do their job. And if you do that, yes, it's going to be disputes sometime. Or, hey, I think I should be getting a couple more shots or you miss me. Uh, on that pass, but you can take care of that. And I think that I, me being a point guard, I would always say, I missed you this time, but I get you the next time. So I come back, you know, I'm in those little hot pants we used to wear, and <laughs> boom, I throw it to him, and he was, he was happy. I knew how to keep guys happy because I had the ball in my hands. I knew how to make sure every guy got his shots and then keep them happy that way. You know, it's funny you say that. We had, Matt, uh, we had James Worthy here two years ago. Mm -hmm. And James was out here, and I was interviewing him. I said, so James, what was it like you know, running with you? And he says, it wasn't easy at first. I said, why wasn't it? He says, because I'm Mr. Everything. You know, people thought I was better than Jordan. He was kind of how he was yeah. in college. People thought James right. was ahead. That's right. And then he said, in high school, I'm the man. I'm coming into college, you know, and all of a sudden I'm playing on a team that I'm the third best player on the team. <laughs> so he says, at first I was having some problems. And then all of a sudden I was playing the game just to be myself. And Magic's trying to get us to go have dinner together, bring us all of us together. And he really gave you a lot of credit because mm -hmm. eventually he said the following in the interview. He says, I eventually realized Magic was the better leader than me. And once I got aligned in his leadership, we started winning. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously James, having, having worked, uh, played with a guy mm -hmm. like that. So now, you're a, a, a point guard. Every one of these guys just came out of high school. They're studs. Right. In high school, they're the best player. Oh, no in question. In college, they're the best player. Yep. Then they're coming on a team, they're number five. Right. 
Well, How do you lead them? I had to get them to buy into that you may be the fifth option, but that's an important role that you're playing. So you made every position be important. That's right. Every person is important. No matter what your role is, it's an important role. And if you don't do your job, we can't win. Was it a one-on-one -on -one conversation? Was it a group oh, conversation? Oh, yeah. No, it's both. Were you more one-on-one -on -one or were first you more? First one-on-one. Okay. You have to do it one-on-one -on -one first. Yeah. And you have to uplift the guy. You have to make him feel like they're important. And, and so I would say to James, hey, man, you was a man at North Carolina, no question mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. it. But when I come down on this break, I'm looking for Kareem first. You told him that. Oh, yeah. And you have to be happy with that. And then if I got that lane and I'm shaking and baking and I see that seam and I can get to the, through the – through that seam to the basket, then I'm going to take the shot. But if I can't take it and Kareem's not open, guess what? Baby, you're going to get it. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you get know? a lot so, of that. So, so you have to yeah. help them understand, and then everybody gets comfortable with that. And the main goal was for us to win. So everybody bought in, and Coach Riley was the perfect coach for us, and um, – we just we went to the finals nine times in twelve years. Oh you know, we you know, so we had a great run. Nine times and, in twelve years. And, and it was a true blessing. So it was a lot of fun. That's amazing. So Riley, now Riley's personality. Yeah. Riley to me, let me tell you when I see Riley what I think about. So tell me if I'm wrong or not. When I see Riley, I see Riley being one decision away from being a mobster. That's what I see with Riley. So is he really like that? Like is he really a temperamental how he wants to kill everybody, compete? Is that really him? He is the ultimate competitor. But also, too, he's a sharp dresser, so he wants to slick the hair Always. back. Yeah, he had the Armani suits yeah. on. And, and, uh, but the one thing good about Pat Riley was he taught us all how to come together as a family. And if a guy was having a baby, he wanted everybody at the hospital. Get out of here. If a guy was having a party at his home, Everybody had to be there. Wow. And he held everybody accountable. Now, what would he, would he call you and say, how come you weren't there? Why hey, didn't oh, you show up? Oh, no, See? no, he wouldn't stand for that. Okay. This is your teammate. You support your like teammate. That. Unless you had something very, very important, then you got to tell your teammate you got something very important. But other than that, you had to show up and wow. be there. So a high standard type of a guy is what Riley was. I'm high standard. Oh, high standard. Uh, he believed in best in class. Every time we went somewhere, he wanted us to look the part and play the part. So w what was his methodology? Like, would he say, read this book? What would oh. he, because what, what, I know Phil is always mm -hmm. about Zen and all these yeah. books and yoga. What was Phil's? He, uh, Pat wasn't about reading the books. What he was about was he was a guy who said he demanded that we play the game the right way. Mm. Then, and we were gonna practice the game the right way. So he was a man, if we play the game the right way, practice the game the right way, then the game becomes easier, mm. right? And then he was about, he was a perfectionist. So he made me become today, as a man and as a CEO, I'm a perfectionist because of him. He pushed me to do everything right. Uh, just like today, you know, I landed here at 7 o'clock. I knew what time I was supposed to be here. I've been doing this 30 years. I've never been late. I've never been late for a meeting. I respect other people's time. And 
I do everything. You were literally on time with one minute. You were early one time. Oh, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, he's about, hey, on time for him is like 15 minutes before, before or 30 minutes before. That's on time. Now, let me ask you, initially, when you work with a guy with that high standard, they're like, you can't ever do enough. Like, he always wants a little bit more. Was it a little bit annoying at first? And how did you adjust? No, no. Not for you. I love being coached hard. And... Um, did I some guys it. not like it? Some, some guys, guys definitely didn't like how did it. They, did they adjust or eventually they, they had to leave and he would work with somebody else? They adjust or they got out. He Very got them out of there. Makes sense it's, to me. It's one way. This is the way. And not, not just this is the way for basketball. This is the life. way for your life. See? I respect that. And it, 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 it carries over to you being a husband. It carries over to you being a father. And one day you got to talk to your son or daughter. And they watch everything we do. So if you're on point as a father, as a, a guy who goes to work every single day, guess what? They see that. Mm. They see that. And they know that that's what they got to do. Right? And so it's very important. And he taught us that early. And he was so right. One time, my son, he's on TV, and he was going to do an interview. And I was scared to death. Okay, you ready? Have you, have you, have you prepared? And you know, I'm going crazy. I'm pulling this bald head. You know, like, and he said, Dad, you don't have to worry. I watched you my whole life. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. So I started crying. Wow. Because we don't know, right? We don't know. We don't know if our kids... Are, are seeing what we're doing and man I went into my room and I just broke down because I was so happy that he was watching right that he got a chance to see that you know I'm a professional and sometimes our kids the neighbor or somebody else or the uncle or or the friend of the family can say the same thing you say but they're gonna listen to them right because you're dad <laughs> But I'm so happy that he, he's been watching, and it was, it was a great moment for us. Well, why don't we transition in that? Because we can come back to the NBA. Let's transition in that. So <clears throat> raising kids. So you have, you're playing the game. Right. Requires 41 games per season to be underwear, not including preseason. And in preseason, you're playing the Celtics eight times, so you're going. That's right. To, and then you have playoffs, and you're in the playoffs every single year. Yep. So you're traveling, you have TV commitments, mm -hmm. Dream Team, mm -hmm. Olympics, mm -hmm. interviews, all this other stuff, yep. kids, wife. How did you find the time? Because everyone's going to make you feel guilty. You weren't there. You're mm -hmm. not a good father. How mm -hmm. did you manage that and sell cookies? Sell, you know, she wrote the book, Believe in the Magic. How did you manage that to say, babe, we're going to make this work and still raise kids? Um, everybody always asks me, balance in your life. It's hard to get balance. So... It was really interesting that you bring this point up. You know, I told my wife and I are best friends, so we talk about everything. And I said, honey, I'm building this for us and our family. But it's going to take me being on the road. I got to go make it happen. And I said, you and I got to work this out. Are you good with me have to go, be grinding and going on so the you road? Talk to her about it. Yes, I talked to her about it. She said, honey, I got the kids. Go make it happen. But what I want you to do is just promise me every big moment in their life, you be there. Got it. So every big play or recital or something that was going on, I made sure 
I was there. And then last thing I did was I said every weekend I knew I was going to work. So my baby, she loved movies so, and Cold Stone's ice cream. So I said, okay, honey, I'm going to take you every Saturday. We're going to go to Cold Stone's and we're going to have, you know, father and daughter time. My sons, they like to just go and see every movie. So I would take her early and then I would take my son. And then as a family, we'd go to church every Sunday. So, every Sunday. Oh, you don't miss church. You know, I'm, I'm like my parents, you know, we go... They brought me up through the church, so we go now. And so <clears throat> it's a blessing. So I tried to make sure I was still a good father as I'm building this business. But at the same time, you must, both of you as the husband and wife, got to be on the same page. And, and uh, we were. And my kids, we have a close relationship. This is what's crazy. Now they're my baby just turned 22, my son is 25, my oldest son is 35. I am so happy that they still like going on vacation with us. They still like hanging out with us. That was my fear. As they get older, are they still want to hang out and be a part of the family? And so far, so good. And I think it's because we're close to them and, um, and we let them you know, do their thing, but also we're there to give them good advice. So I don't think it's no right way of doing it. I think that uh, if you sit down and talk to your partner and talk to your wife and explain to her what we're do- building together, because it's not me building it, we're building it together. Yep. And these are the things that I have to do to get us there, mm-hmm. right? And are you good with it? And once she said, yeah, Look what happened. It exploded for both of us and our family, and it's been great. And she was very supportive of what you were doing. Oh, she yeah, because she's smart. She's smart. She's smart. She's smart, man. <laughs> she keep a brother in line, too, boy. You know, you know, you ladies, you ladies got to look. When you give us that look, and we know what that look means, man, when Cookie give me that look, that kills me. Like, it's like, okay, I messed up, and I better say I'm sorry real quick. <laughs> and um, so I, I always look for that look. And if, you know, you can be talking, and all of a sudden, she, that look means, okay, you didn't say it enough. <laughs> got it, baby, got it. <laughs> 25 years. I 25 mean, you guys years. understand each other. Oh, we understand each other. You know, we love going to movies and concerts, and um, we love doing nothing. One, some of our best time is just going to the park and uh, just looking at each other and looking at kids playing or taking long walks along the beach or something like that. Those are some of our greatest moments. And, and going to church and then go to brunch after that. Just, we just have, really people think we live this life and yes, we can have that, but we don't want that. We just want this, right? Simple, great, fun, the Lord. That's all we need. Unbelievable. You know, we're good. You know? More power to you. That's one of the reasons why the league respects you as much as they do. So. We were talking about Riley before you, you know, the family came up, and I wanted to kind of find out a little bit more about the uh, successful marriage you've had 25 years. Coaching-wise, there's a lot of great coaches in the NBA. Who would you put at the top? I mean, I know this is a tough one, but who yeah. would you put at the top? Right now? 
all time. Of all time. I think that you still got to go with Phil Jackson you because he Phil won 11 top. championships. I mean, people didn't have to remember this about Phil. They always said, well, he had the talent. Well, let's go back. There were some coaches before Phil Jackson got there, and they didn't get it done with That's that right. same talent. That's right. Right? Somebody was coaching the Bulls before Phil Jackson got there. They didn't win the championship with Jordan, with Pippen. That's why Phil Jackson got there, right? Yeah. Okay, he wins there. Well, the Lakers had Shaq and Kobe. They didn't win no championships. So, until Phil Jackson yeah. got there. So, we have to remember that, you know. So, Phil played a major role. Then, Red Arback has been amazing. He had 10 championships with the Celtics. Did you ever meet him? You, you ever? Yeah, yeah, talk to him. How was he? I mean, I, I Just, keep reading about Red, but I, what was his personality like? Oh, was man. he a Phil personality, Riley, or? He, he's in between both. He was a, a serious guy, but fun at the same time, but he knew basketball frontwards and backwards. Got it. And he could bring out the best in players. And then Greg Popovich, I mean, this dude here, he can coach. Man, he can coach. So you'd put him right now number oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. He right behind them. Him and, him and Pat Riley are the next two guys. But to do what San Antonio has been able to accomplish and do is just amazing. It's just amazing. You think they stand a chance this year? You think they oh, can yeah. go? Oh, yeah. They still you they would put have them a there chance. Without Duncan? Because the thing about them, they're the smartest team, right? They're not going, you got to beat them. You got to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. They, That's right. Fundamentals. They're going to play together. And he's going to come up with a game plan to go up against you. I still think that Golden State will win, win it all. You but think I, Golden State's going to win yeah, it all? I think he's going to win it all because we see how Kevin Durant has made the game so much easier for Steph Curry and Clay as well as Draymond. They're playing super on defense. Amazing. Uh, so I would rate them one. I think uh, San Antonio is right behind them. Of course, Cleveland in the East. Nobody's going to beat them in the East. I you're think. putting Cleveland three, though. It sounds like you're not saying yeah, Cleveland I, two. Yeah, I think Cleveland right now is not playing good basketball. They're struggling right now. And so they got to get back to playing, um, even though LeBron is the best player in, in the world, but they're not playing like they were last season. And uh, for whatever reason, they're having some struggles, and so they got to get back playing well. But I would say right now they're probably playing – they're the third best team right now. So here's a strange question for you. LeBron is the greatest talent, mm -hmm. human specimen, 6'8", 260, right. jumps 40, whatever inches. Okay, all right. good. Who's the best leader in the game today? Not the talent, <clears throat> best leader in the game today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take Chris Paul. Uh, it's amazing, huh? I would agree with that. He just, yeah, I think a, he's a guy that's got to win one. History yeah, needs a guy like yeah. that to win one. Yeah, I think, I think he's just, to me, he's the best leader and floor leader we have. Wow. And uh, just amazing talent. And uh, too bad for the Clippers. They just don't have enough to beat San Antonio or Golden State. Wow. So top five of all time, who would you put? From point guard, small, you know, shooting guard. Small um, power. I, I leave myself out, so I would take. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, because I'm gonna feel that point guard. But I take Isaiah. I take Jordan at two. I'm gonna take uh, to me Larry Bird at three. Who was one? Uh, uh, I would take uh, Isaiah Thomas at Isaiah one. one. Yeah. Uh, Steph Curry got a lot of work to do, sir. Got a lot of wow. work to do. Wow, so you're Isaiah way... 
he 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 doesn't have the resume yet. He only got one championship. Right. He, he, he thinks he's the greatest point guard of all time. Well, mm-mm. no, no. <laughs> so <clears throat> you got you got to have a full body of work, and so and then I'm gonna take uh, Tim Duncan as my power forward, and um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the center. You could yeah. Kareem as number one. Oh. So tell me, what's the biggest difference? If, if Kareem at his best, Shaq against his best, because my top five is close to yours except for one. Okay. Kareem at his best, minus your obviously one, but Kareem at his best, Shaq at his best. Mm. Really? Mm. Tell me why. I mean, uh, he, 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 yeah. Shaq was a human specimen. Yes, he was, and I like Shaq, but he was no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This man could dominate you with both hands. He, they... When they have to change the game because of you, <laughs> that's greatness. And we have to remember, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won three national championships in a row in college. And it could have been four if freshmen were allowed to play. The man was just so dominant. And uh, I like Shaq. Shaq is probably the most dominant in terms of just a, a physical presence as we've ever seen in the game of basketball and uh, big personality. Big. And yeah. I love Shaq. And we, matter of fact, we, uh, the Lakers are putting a statue in, in March of Shaq out in front of the state. You see his Center. reaction yeah. the first time he found yeah. out? He, exactly. like a, exactly. he couldn't believe it. Right when they told him. That was cool. I know. So I, I love him. I, and I put him right behind those guys. But Kareem to me, and then Tim Duncan, oh my goodness. That man is so good. And it was scary how good Tim was, and he, he didn't want nobody to know he was that good. You know, he's like, I'm gonna do my job and I'm going but home. Imagine you know? what made him good, because you look at his stats, decent stats, there's guys that maybe can have nice stats, but what made Tim so special? Because he, he played big in the big moments in the pressure situation. Got it. And he made his teammates better. And he, he didn't care about the headlines. That's why I love him. He just, look, I'm going to come do my job, but I'm going to do it better than anybody else. And you don't have to put my name in the paper. I don't need all that. Um, and that's why I love him. That's why he won five championships. The man is amazing. And so uh, I would put him at the power forward spot. And that's then Larry Bird was just unbelievable. He's Shoot the up. lights up. Yeah. Shoot the lights up. So, so... You played against, obviously, MJ many times. Yes. You played with him from 84 when he came in till 91. What made him, like, when was it, like, when he came in the league, did mm-hmm. you know right off the bat, or did it take a few years for you to say, who is this guy? Like, no. he could be the great. No. When Mike, did you know it? Michael, right off the bat. Man. Seriously? Yeah. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. The tongue was out. <laughs> man, when he did that move on us. Let me Sam Perkins. Man, when he came down in 1991 and he took off with the right hand, and all of us thought we had it, right? <laughs> we all jumped. And in midair, we should have known we were in trouble. The tongue was on the right side. And then he switched it to the left side. And in midair, he switched to the left hand and spun it against the glass. Unbelievable. Oh, man. Just crazy. And then the greatest move I've seen, and I've been a part of probably three 
of the greatest moves. Dr. J jumped out of bounds on us one time and he floated through air. He walking in air. On Cooper? Is that the one? Yes. The one on Cooper? Oh. And rocked it and dunked it. Oh. And then the other one was Michael Jordan. We're in the Olympics. He stole the ball on the right side, so he's coming down. He takes off. David Robinson. This is Dream Team? This is this Dream, dream team, team you're talking about? Yeah. David Robinson, he takes off to block it. So Michael just said, I'm going to just stay up here in the air and wait till you go down. <laughs> no, check this out. Check this out. He looked at him here, and then he looked at him there. That means he's going what? Down. He looked at him and 360 do on him. Bam! So I got a question. There's this whole debate with him and, Lebr him and LeBron, right? LeBron, oh, you know, I'm chasing Mount Rushmore, all this other stuff. <laughs> Let me just ask the question. I just want to ask the question from you. <laughs> Patrick. I just got to ask you. Well, go ahead. Okay. What the, can he do anything? Can he, at this point of his career, okay? I mean, he's won three. He won three. Okay? Mm -hmm. Can he do anything, mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. for someone like you who knows this game very, very well? Mm -hmm. You're not going to take favorites. You're going to say mm -hmm. what you're going to say. Can LeBron do anything to be known as the greatest of all time ahead of MJ? At this point of his career, no one will know with his resume, everything, and he's kind of like the numbers mm -hmm. are not going to go mm -hmm. any higher. What, can, can he do anything? Well, he would probably have to win seven or eight. To, because right now, we have to remember something about Michael. He never lost in the NBA right. Finals. Never. Right. <laughs> never. Right? Never even so, game seven. So, and he averaged like, in those finals, he was averaging like 35 points a game. Unbelievable. He was putting in work. So, that's hard. That's but, hard. But you said something, Magic. So if, if LeBron wins seven, I'm not a LeBron fan. There's, there's a guy sitting right there who's a diehard LeBron fan. There's a, there's a lot of LeBron guys here. Yeah, I'm not a LeBron fan. And I'm not hating on him. But if he wins seven, if he yeah. wins seven. Then, then we got a conversation. And we got a conversation. We got a okay. conversation. We got a conversation. But, but, but if, you had, if, if we play draft pick, greatest of all time, okay, mm -hmm. and LeBron wins seven, let's just say. Mm -hmm. Let's just say he wins seven. Today is 2023. Right. LeBron's got seven, yeah. okay? You have first pick. I have second pick. Mm -hmm. Who's your number one draft pick? <laughs> Michael. I'm taking Really? Michael. Still? <laughs> I'm taking Michael all day. Unbelievable. I'm taking man. Michael. Look, I love me some LeBron. I think that uh, besides his jumping ability, we are similar to what we did, right? Because he makes his teammates better. He's great in terms of he wants to win. But... When I think about trying to surpass Michael and also the competition Michael had to beat to win, you know, was East was strong. East yeah, was very yeah, good. You was got strong. Isaiah, so, you had all those guys. So, so, but LeBron has done great things for the game today. And he wants to win it again. That's why I like him. You know, he's complaining because he wants to win again. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Michael right now, I got to take Michael. But if I'm taking one guy today... The start, out of all the guys, I'm starting with LeBron. You are? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm picking uh, him. I mean, who else would it be? Easy. It couldn't be Curry or Durant. I'm still I'm taking go with LeBron. LeBron. Fair enough. Okay. I'm taking LeBron. All right. So, fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about the one guy I'm always curious about is I am a big fan of Jerry Buss. Okay. I'm a big fan of Jerry yep. Buss on what he did. I think 
as an organizational leader, 33 years, 10 championships. I mean, that's unheard of. You yes. think about a Steinbrenner, yes. all these other guys. There's nothing like a bus. You work with Buzz. He gave you a 25-year contract, $25 million. That's an, you, you got ownership of the Lakers yep. for playing for the Lakers. Yep. This is unheard of. They can't yep. do it today anymore. That's right. They try to give it to other guys. Yeah, they can't, they can't, they can't that's do That's a it. magic rule. No one does it ever since Magic did. <laughs> so what made, what made Buzz so special? What made, what made him so special that you guys didn't want to leave? You wanted to play for this guy. Like, he made it fun to be part of yeah. Lakers organization. Because he cared about you off the court. It wasn't just – Dr. Buzz was a great owner because – he always, what are you doing, young man, to improve your life? Not just as a basketball player, but your life. Are you, are you taking care of your money? Wow. Are you making the right decisions in terms of investment? Are, are, how's your family doing? And then if you had a goal like me, I had a goal to be a businessman. He took me up under his wing. And he mentored me. He showed me the books. And he opened the books up and said, hey. Magic. He really, I've heard that. that is, he really did that with you. Oh, yeah. He That's helped amazing. me out. He helped me out, you know. And he became like a father figure to me. And the only reason I'm a businessman today is because of Dr. Buss. And so um, it's great that I showed the initiative, but he said, hey, I'm going to mentor you. So, And then he knew how to treat those who work for him. And that's why we all loved him, because he treated Kobe like a man and with respect and, and, and thanked him for bringing those championships to the Lakers. And, but it wasn't Kobe. All, every single guy he treated with respect, whether you were the, were the star or the last guy on the bench. You know? And so that's what made him special. And he was different from any other owner. Before, it was the owners over here and the players over there. He changed all of that. And some of the owners didn't like that, right? Because he was friendly with the players. And so I thank God for that because, and I thank God for him because, again, I had a goal and dream. He helped me fulfill that goal and dream. I mean, you only play for the Lakers and so did Kobe. You never changed your jersey. No. You stayed there. I'm, I'm and so and everybody would have wanted you, oh, yeah. but you stayed there. No, I love, I'm a Laker man through and through. And... Uh, you know, it hurt me when you left. Well, you know but what I'm happened? Telling. It's funny, Patrick, because when uh, Joe and Peter bought Golden State, they offered me a piece of the team. And I turned them down because I said, I'm a Laker. Was Jerry already there or not No, yet? no, this just happened four years ago, five years ago. So West hadn't left yet or West was already gone, so, Jerry West? Yes, he was gone. He was already there. Yes, Got so it. my friends who bought the Golden State Warriors wanted me to come with them. Got it. And then Tom Gores, who bought the Detroit Pistons, wanted me to join his ownership team and run the Pistons. And I said, no, I'm a Laker. And so, and so I've been offered a couple more jobs. I said, no, I'm a Laker. That's who I am. I can't leave and go work for another organization because I wouldn't give them 150% because I'm a Laker. Now, what if, these, what if someone comes out out of nowhere like a Guggenheim or somebody comes out and say, look, <laughs> we need new ownership, man, because I cannot, <laughs> listen, I can say it. You can't say it. Maybe I can say it. I can't stand the existing guy on the decisions. He drives me insane. I know. We need a new And I'm not talking genie. You know how I'm talking about. Yeah. What if Guggenheim comes and says, look, we'll fund it. We'll put up the $2 billion. 
You come through. What magic? What if that happened? We got to bring the Lakers back, man. We need somebody to come we, back. We had to bring them would back. Would you be open to it? Would well, you be? If course. we can put a deal like that together, uh, would you be open to it? Of course. We're doing a business deal right now in front yeah, of everybody. Right now in front of everybody. They're in the room, just so you know that right now. <laughs> of course, I would be open to it. You know, I love that organization. I love the team, and I want them to do well. And I just hope that um, they can get back to being competitive and going to the playoff. And uh, as I told, you know, Jeannie, Bus, and all of them, hey, anytime I can help, just just don't hesitate. I hope he listens. That's yeah. the only thing. I hope yeah. he listens. Because the moment I heard the 5% was gone, and then I heard, mm-hmm. you know, the Asian guy, apparently whoever got, got the 5% of, of the yep. season, and then uh, uh, Jim was running it. And then Jerry West, the moment you and Jerry were gone, I said, what's that? Who's yeah. going to want to play for this organization? Yeah. Yeah. Why would LeBron come to the Lakers? Exactly. If Jerry was there, you were there, he would be interested yeah. in that. Why is he going to come over there? Yeah, so we haven't it been completely able- threw me off as a fan a little bit. We haven't been able to sign a superstar. So that's been our problem. We need one to make the other guys better. And um, didn't so, Jeannie just have a conversation with you recently? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that smile magic says a lot, magic. We noticed that you know, smile a little you bit. Know, so she always asked me for my advice. She loves you, though. Yeah. I was at an event, yeah, I was at a charity event with her, and she went the entire time in tears about you. Yeah. The enti- like, literally, like, magic changed my life. And we're, she went on for one hour. We're like brothers and sisters. And so her father wanted to make sure that uh, um, actually, we're around the same age, so he brought us up together. And that's why she's so great at business, because her father had her with him everywhere. And went to, she went to college, and he made sure that when he was going to die, that she was going to take over that business. And that's why she's doing great on the business side. And so uh, it's been really wonderful to watch her continue on her, fa- her father's legacy and do a wonderful job doing that. Well, I was hoping to get a little bit more because I wanted to see if there's anything going on with your involvement <laughs> because we want you to get involved. But look, to finish up, we got five minutes here uh-huh. to respect your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, last subject, entrepreneurship. Yep. So you go from playing a game that you can do with your eyes closed, mm-hmm. basketball, right? And you know exactly, you go to the highest level, Mount Rushmore. You're mm-hmm. Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. You're at that level. We're not talking first ballot Hall of Famer. You're Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. that's on that Thank level. You. Absolutely. So you go to that level. Now you have to go from this game, you know, to entrepreneurship. What is your biggest challenge you faced when you made that transition? Well, first of all, I had to admit to myself I didn't know business. That you, you didn't know didn't business? Know that business. you didn't know business. I so did, it was that honestly I didn't with know yourself. Business. Yeah, I, see, self-evaluation is the hardest thing we have to do. Because you have to be honest with yourself. What's your strength and what's your weaknesses? And it's not about your ego, it's about telling the truth. I, I knew basketball, I knew you know, how to play the point guard position, on and on and on, but I didn't know business, so I had to get me some mentors to help me along the way. And I sat down with anybody who would sit down with me, right? Picking their brains, a lot of CEOs, a lot of presidents of companies. So I'm writing down information on paper, but also up here. So then I said, okay, where do I want to invest my money? I'm from the inner cities. I'm from urban America. So I did my homework and research and said, man, we're the number one group of people going to the movies, but there was no theaters in our community. Mm. We had to drive outside our community just to go to the movies. So I said, 
that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invest in movie theaters first. I did a joint venture with Sony, and we built Magic Johnson Theaters. And people thought I was crazy. Thank you. They thought I was crazy. <clears throat> and the first theater right there in Los Angeles in South Central came in the top 10 highest grossing theaters in the nation my first Unbelievable. year. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, so what happened, Patrick? I used common sense. Okay, so, all right. We grew up on Kool-Aid. So, I'm going to make sure I have strawberry, orange, grape, fruit punch. So, did you change that or did they Instead of Coca-Cola. I changed that. No way. I'm telling you. Wow. Okay. Then, I was the first theater to have jalapeno peppers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know what my customer base wanted. Right? So, I'm going to hit you with something. You got to know your customer. So, once you know your customer, then you have to not deliver, you have to over-deliver. And then you'll get the retention that you're looking for. So, what I did was, by the peppers, I had a spicier sausage and hot dog. Everything changed to fit the urban consumer. So now, when an urban consumer walks in and says, this is my place, this is where they're going to come all the time. And so sure enough, we had everything rolling. It went great. That took off. We built six of them. And then I got bold and knocked on a guy named Howard Schultz's door for Starbucks. And I said, hey, minorities, we like coffee, too. You know? <laughs> we like coffee, too, you know? <laughs> so he was like, I said, the growth of your business has to be through urban America because you, you built out suburban America. And he said, you know what? We don't do franchisees. I'm not here to be one. I want to be your partner. I put up half the money. You put up half the money. And so we start building Starbucks in the inner city. Were you the first he did that one? First one ever. Wow. Yeah, first one ever. Wow. Thank you. How many of those now? How many of the Starbucks now? We start off with building three, and he said if those three be number one, so we were outgrossing suburban stores. My first three inner city, we built 125 stores. And this is what was wonderful. In the headlines of the LA Times, no way minorities would pay $3 for a cup of coffee. Well, we'll pay $3 for a cup of coffee. We quite don't know what scones are. So <laughs> I had to take the scones out of my Starbucks. I put in sweet potato pie, pound cake, socket to me cake, peach cobbler, things that resonate with the urban consumer and now my per caps were 578. His per caps were 525. My per caps were higher than his per caps, my inner city stores. And then I had to take out that elevator music that they play in all the other 
suburban What's he okay store. with that? Like, did you just say, we can't do this No, here. we can't do you this. My, my customer base don't want that. <laughs> so I put in, you know, Lionel Richie and Prince and Michael Jackson. So while you're in the Starbucks, you got your head, your toe tapping, you got your drink going. Wow. And that's... And then the last thing it did, it gave us a place to meet our friends and family. See, we didn't have meeting places in urban America where I can say, hey, man, meet me, or hey, meet me. And that place, that, that store, that Starbucks store became a meeting place for people who lived in urban America. So that's why we were so successful. And uh, I sold them all back to Starbucks and... Uh, it was an amazing run. We built, we were supposed to build 125 in 10 years, but because we were making so much money, we built, built them all in six years. In 40 different cities, and it was really all, wonderful. Not in California, all, all across? All over the country. Got it. And what was really good, and I want you guys to understand this, was I put a lot of minorities to work, not just in the stores, but they became district managers where you can make a lot of money and, and area managers and on and on and on. And it was really unique and special for me to see minorities in these management positions and that business really take off. So it was really wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, do, do you own the movie theater right next to that Sizzlers? I'm sorry. Is there a Sizzler right next to the movie theater? Yes. So that's the first, sizz, first time ever in my life I spoke in front of an audience of 30 is at that Sizzler. It's the first oh. time in my life I spoke at that Sizzler. I used to sell memberships at Fox Hills Mall. So, you know, yeah. Fox yeah. Hills Mall, I yep. was right working there. at Valley Total Fitness right off of Victory and exactly. Overland, and Sony was right there. Yep. So, I used to always be Isn't in that, that entire Culver City. Right yes. there at that Sizzler. Hey, hey, man, first of all, you know, I, you have no idea how much this means to, to me and Thank our you. organization to have you come out here and I spend an hour it. with us. Thank I know you. how busy you are. Thank you. And how many different opportunities you got for you to do that. That means a lot to us. Thank you. And we think the world of you in a major way. And I have a gift for you. Guys, I was trying to think about what gift to get this guy. Everybody gets some gifts all the time. So we did some research. Let's see what we have. Let's see what we have. Let's give Bailey a round of applause. And she's beautiful, too. Yeah, she's beautiful. Bailey's doing a great job. High five, sweetie. So we got got, got a couple things here, man. I hope you enjoy this, man. I hope you don't have it, but we'll see. So first one, look. You know, we, we like to go around wearing this shirt called I'm an Entrepreneur, but we oh, made a limited wow. edition I'm an Entrepreneur shirt. Your size with oh. the purple and gold that says I'm an Entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you yeah. support this and appreciate mm. that. And then I heard, I heard the fact that you like to run. I don't That's know, right. they, they tell me you're a runner. I so, like to work out all the time. So we got you the most, you know... The, 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 the highest oh, quality cool. one of these running watches. Very too, nice. You may have one. If you don't no, have one, I hope you can I, enjoy this I don't yourself. have one. Okay, well, that's great. It's the least we can do for you, man. We just wanted to give you a gift. Thank you. For the token of our appreciation, uh, for you to come it. out here, man. But thank once you. again, thank you from all of us thank to you for you. coming out and spending some time. I with appreciate us. it. Thank you. Give it up to Magic Johnson, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bid David, and I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.